So we're turning to 2 Peter chapter 2, which is on page 1,223, if you've got your Bibles in front of you. And it starts off with false teachers and their destruction, as the title, um, chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been hanging, long hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man, living among them, day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial, celestial beings, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable, they are experts in greed, and a cursed brood. They've left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Thank you, Anne. Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew. 
and I'm part of the church family here. I don't think anyone was listening to that passage read to us thinking, what a lovely Bible passage. <laughs> um, it'd be great if you could turn to the passage uh, for me, please. It'd be great if you had that open in front of you. It starts on page 1222 in the church Bibles, page 1222. The reason we had that passage is because um, during August we're going through the whole of 2 Peter. So we've done two sermons already in chapter 1, This evening we're doing chapter 2, and then in the next two Sundays we're going to do chapter 3. So today, chapter 2 is the chapter we've got. So that's what we're going to look at together. While you're looking for page 1222, let me just say, last week we looked at the end of chapter 1, which talks about the importance, uh, the fact that the, the gospel is true. The Old Testament is true and the New Testament is true. And I said, sometimes I get lazy about reading the Bible and studying the Bible, and it's really helpful um, to sometimes come back and say, I want to start again reading the Bible, taking it seriously, because all of us are lazy about the Bible sometimes. And I offered copies of some of my books, free copies, free copies, Thank you. I offered free copies of my books, and astonishingly, they all went. And I even heard of some people who'd wanted to have a copy, but couldn't get one because they'd all gone. So there are more copies there. There they are. This is the Luke experiment. This takes you through Luke's gospel. You could, you could spend 10 minutes a day going through the next bit of Luke, reading it in Luke's gospel, and reading what I say in a book called The Luke Experiment. And then this is on Acts. So you could read a bit of Acts, 10 minutes and then read what I say about that passage in the Acts experiment. Or if you wanted to read through the whole of Mark's Gospel, 10 or 15 minutes a day, this little book, it's a small book, will tell you a little a passage from Mark to read, have a read of that passage, and then there's one page to read just to see what I say about it. That's called Read Mark in 30 Days, because you've probably worked out why it's called that. It gets you through the whole of Mark's Gospel in 30 days, well spotted. Wonderful, great. So please, the books are there. Uh, It'd be great if if they all disappeared again. Feel free to take um, more than one title. I I would like to get rid of them. Wonderful, I'm on page 1222, and we're looking at 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at the top of the screen, you'll see that the title we've given to the whole of this letter is Godly Living in a Godless World. Our world often lives as if God didn't exist. Even if people say they believe in God, often people live as if God wasn't there. We live in a godless world. But if you've become a Christian, if you've turned from your sins, put your trust in Jesus who died on the cross for you, then you are so grateful to God, you're so glad that you're forgiven now and forever, that you now want to live a godly life. You want to live a life with God at the center, don't you? You want to do godly living in a godless world. It's not easy But the Holy Spirit lives inside us and he wants to equip us, to change us, to help us to live godly lives in a a godless world. 
And that's what this letter is about, to help the readers then and the readers now, that's us, to live godly lives in a godless world. So far we've seen, um, in chapter 1, we've seen we know that growing matters. It's important that we keep growing as Christians. We saw that in the first half of chapter 1. Last week we saw, we, we know that the gospel is true. We saw that in the second half of chapter 1. That will help us to live a godly life. And today the title is, We Know That God Will Judge. Now that may seem very strange that that's an encouragement to live godly lives. Let me tell you why it is. Peter is... He's already mentioned it in chapter 1 very briefly. He's saying there were false teachers who were coming into the church saying wrong stuff. They were claiming to, to be teaching the truth, but in fact they were misleading the people, telling people wrong stuff, talking against the gospel. And Peter finds that very hard to take. And so what he's saying here in this chapter is if these people continue to do this and they don't turn away from that, they don't repent from that, then God will judge them. God sees what people do. God's gospel matters to him. It's important that his truth is clear and believed and preached and proclaimed. And if people will teach things that are against God's truth, against God's gospel, then God will judge. There will be a judgment day. It's solemn, but it's true. So this chapter is about the false teachers. We're going to have to go quite quickly through it, because it's a long chapter, and there are some verses in it I don't understand. So we'll go quite fast. It's what what preachers do when there's a bit of the passage they don't understand. They go quickly. Right, let's be open to the Holy Spirit and look at 2 Peter chapter 2 together as we look and see what Peter says about the false teachers. Firstly, in verses 1 to 3, the lies they spread. The lies they spread. Verse 1. But there were also false teachers among the people. That was in the Old Testament. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Do notice the false teachers are not in the world. They're in the church. There'll be false teachers among you, Peter says. Look at verse 2. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. They're going to make stuff up. Fabricated stories. They're going to invent things to take you away from the truth. And if you want to see what lies, what what, particularly what the two main lies that the false teachers were telling, have a look at the second half of verse 1, please. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. There's two things there about Jesus. Two things that are true about Jesus, but that the false teachers deny. It's who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Who Jesus is, he's the sovereign Lord. He's not just a prophet, he's not just a teacher, he's the sovereign Lord, he's God, he's the eternal Son of God. And the false teachers were denying that, saying, no, 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 no. 
Jesus is not the eternal Son of God. Who Jesus is, why Jesus came. It says in the second half of verse 1, the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's talking about the cross. That's talking about Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins, taking our punishment onto his shoulders. And the false teachers were saying, that's not true. Jesus didn't die for you. Jesus didn't take the punishment onto his shoulders for you. Maybe they were saying, some of the false teachers, you need to just live a good life and then you'll get to heaven. You can save yourselves. Who Jesus is, why Jesus came. And the false teachers were telling lies. They were saying, Jesus is not the sovereign Lord. He's not the eternal Son of God. The false teachers were saying, he didn't die on the cross for our sins. Those are the lies they spread. Secondly, in verses 4 to 9, the judgment they face. Uh, Peter's already mentioned judgment. Look at right at the end of verse 1. These people are bringing swift destruction on themselves if they won't repent. Or look at the end of verse 3. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So now Peter, in verses 4 to 9, talks about the fact that judgment is coming. And what he does, he does a a, a kind of... It's an interesting way of doing it. What he does, he takes three examples from the Old Testament, three examples from the book of Genesis, to show that God judges. He judges sin. He is righteous He's holy. He judges sin. And then he says, in verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Here are these three examples from Genesis. Just look at them very quickly with me, please. Verse 4, the first example, is fallen angels. Angels who rebelled against God. That's in Genesis chapter 6. Verse 4, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Example number 2 is the flood. That's in Genesis 6, 7 and 8. Verse 5, if God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. That was Noah's family. So God said the flood was God's judgment. God is a just God. He does judge. Example number three is Sodom and Gomorrah. That's in Genesis chapter 19. Verse six, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day by day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. So there are the three examples. Do you see them? Fallen angels, the flood, and Sodom and Gomorrah. God judged in those three cases. Peter's reminded his readers that God is a God who judges sin. And then he says in verse 9, if this is so, 
then the Lord knows how to do two things. He knows how to rescue the godly from trials. He rescued Noah and he rescued Lot. And he knows how to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. There is a judgment day. One day Jesus is going to come back in glory at the end of history. We've been singing about that. It's wonderful. It's worth looking forward to. The older I get, the more I look forward to it. And then there's going to be a judgment day. Judgment is serious. Judgment is, is going to happen. God is just. And this is the judgment that the false teachers are facing. This is the judgment they face. Because they are spreading these lies about Jesus. Jesus, who Jesus is, they're saying Jesus is not the eternal son of God. And why Jesus came, they're saying Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins. And Peter is saying if they continue to do this false teaching, they will face judgment. Wow, this is strong stuff, isn't it? The lies they spread, the judgment they face. Now thirdly, in verses 10 to 16, it's coming up now. Verses 10 to 16, good. I needed that because I forgot what the third heading was. The sins they commit. Look at the sins they commit. They're there in verse 10. This is especially true of the false teachers who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Here are two of the sins that the false teachers commit. They despise authority. They won't recognize that Jesus is Lord. They won't take seriously that there is authority. They want to do their own thing. They want to say, I am Lord. I'll decide how I live. And they also, verse 10, they follow the corrupt desire of the flesh. They give themselves to sin. It's like they're saying, I'll live how I want. My body belongs to me. I'll do what I want with my body. No one else is going to tell me what I do with my body. Thank you very much. Those are the two sins. They're saying, I'm Lord, I'm in charge, I'm in control of my life. I'll do what I want to do. And they're giving themselves to sin, to the corrupt desire of the flesh. Those two things are here in these verses. Just look, look at them with me very briefly. Uh, verse, second half of verse 10. This is about them... Um, despising authority, bold and arrogant. They are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. Judgment is coming. Because they're saying, we're not accepting authority from anyone else. No one is going to tell us what to do. But of course, if you become a Christian, if you've decided, wow, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He died so I could be forgiven. Then he's your Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking. 
If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What's the point of gaining the whole world if you lose your soul? And what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? I tell you the truth, says Jesus. Whoever whoever does not acknowledge me in this sinful and adulterous generation, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will not acknowledge them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Jesus is Lord. if 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 I know that Jesus is my Savior, I love him. Lots of you sitting there are thinking, yeah, I trust in Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, then Jesus is your Lord. But the first sin of the false teachers was to say no to authority, no to Jesus being Lord. Look at the next bit. It's it's about giving ourselves to sin, following the corrupt desire of the flesh. Verse 13, they will be paid back with harm, the harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. Look at verse 14. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Wow, eyes full of adultery. It's like they look at other people and they're just thinking, I wonder what it would be like to have sex with this person. I wonder what this person would be like in bed. Verse 15. They have left the straight way and wandered off. And now Peter uses another Old Testament example, the story of Balaam. It's a very strange story, Balaam and Balaam's donkey. And fortunately, I don't have time to talk about it. You can read it. You can read it in Numbers 22, 23, and 24. They, they wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza, who loved the wages of wickedness. Um, Balaam got offered money to bring false teaching, to do a false prophecy. And he was willing to go along with that. And the way God sorted out Balaam was getting Balaam's donkey to talk to him. Now, I don't know how much you know about donkeys, but donkeys don't normally talk. But Balaam's donkey talked. Uh, I read verse uh, 16. Balaam was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. The story, Numbers 22, 23, and 24, it's great reading. You see that Balaam's donkey was more sensible than Balaam. But what Peter is saying is that the sins that the false teachers are committing, the sins they're committing, they're saying no to authority, Jesus is not Lord, and they're giving themselves to sin. They're saying, just like Balaam said, money is more important to me than God, I'll take the money and do false teaching. The false teachers are saying other things are more important to us than God. Other things are more important to us than Jesus. It might be money, it might be sex, it might be something else the sins they commit I am Lord not Jesus 
and I'll do what I want. My body belongs to me. I'll do what I want with it. The sins they commit. Now, fourthly and lastly, in verses 17 to 22, the damage they do. The damage they do. Verse 17, these people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. This is about judgment. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Peter is saying, these false teachers, they're not only saying wrong stuff and living sinful lives, they are enticing people. That's the word. It's there in verse 18. That means they're pulling other people into doing it with them. They are dangerous. And remember, Peter is not saying these people are outside the church. He's saying these false teachers are in the church. That's why he's speaking so strongly. Uh, Verse 19, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. They're promising people freedom, but actually they're making people into slaves. Slaves to sin. Verse 20, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. And then Peter ends the chapter, this uncomfortable chapter, with two uh, memorable proverbs. Verse 22, of them the proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow, that's a pig that is washed, returns to her wallowing in the mud. I'm not going to talk much about those, but it is true about dogs. We used to have a dog when I was uh, growing up, and when the dog was sick, I mean, when I'm sick, I'm, I'm not going to illustrate this, but... When I'm sick, I just don't, I want, I don't want to look at it. I mean, it's been nice if somebody else would clear up. Maybe I have to clear up. But I don't go back when I've vomited. I don't go back to my vomit and admire it. But a dog does. I've seen it happen. The dog goes back and sniffs the vomit, looks at it. I don't think the dog actually licks the vomit. But a dog is attracted by the vomit. He's using... Peter's using very strong language, dog language and pig language, to talk about the false teachers. This is the damage that they do. They make themselves slaves, they make other people slaves, they pull people away from the truth. Okay, we've looked at 2 Peter chapter 2. Here's me finishing off now. Let's just, just, just tie the threads together. First of all, I want to encourage all of us, and I think the Holy Spirit is encouraging all of us this evening through this chapter to be clear about the gospel. Let's be clear about the truth. Are you clear about who Jesus is and why Jesus came? Are you clear that Jesus is the sovereign Lord? He's the eternal Son of God. Are you clear that he died on the cross for your sins? 
If you're clear about those two things, thank God. It's a miracle that God has done in your life. The eternal Son of God died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven. Wow. Are you clear on those two things? Secondly, let's be watchful. Peter says these false teachers can be inside the church. And we need to make sure that we're watchful when church leaders are teaching us. I'm not suggesting that we do have these sorts of false teachers in a bar church. But I think it's very good to be watchful. And one of the reasons I like it when people have the Bible open when I'm preaching is they can check if what I'm saying is really in the Bible or if I'm making it up. It's good. We, we need to be just checking. Let's make sure that we are clear about the gospel, that our, our whole go- our church life, our youth work, our children's work, every aspect of our church life, and hit what we're doing here on Sunday evenings, let's be clear, let's make sure that we're clear about these two things, who Jesus is and why Jesus came. And the third thing I want to say is this. It is actually great news that God is going to judge. God is not asleep on the job. He is watching. He loves his church. He loves the church. He loves people. He loves everyone, but he loves people who've turned from their sins and put their trust in Jesus. He loves them. And he's looking after us. And if there are people who are attacking the church, and there are people, read, read, read the newspapers, listen to TV, listen to the radio, there are people who call themselves Christian leaders who deny that Jesus is the eternal Son of God and who deny that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. So let's, I'm glad that God is going to judge. God is going to judge right, righteously and in a holy way. And I want to encourage all of us, if you're thinking, oh wow, God is judge, how am I going to cope on judgment day? If you're a truster in Jesus, you don't need to be afraid. Because Jesus took the punishment instead of you. He paid the price so that we could be forgiven. It is astonishing good news, isn't it? If you come up to me after the service and kill me, this is an illustration, not an invitation, <laughs> then I know I'm going, to great, going straight to heaven to be with Jesus forever. Not because I'm a good person, I'm not, but because I'm trusting in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Wow, hallelujah. It is so great to know that. Yes, God is going to judge. If if false teachers don't turn away from their false teaching, then they will be judged. But we can all know forgiveness through what Jesus did, did on the cross. And when we've received that forgiveness, ah, then with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us, 
as the Holy Spirit gives us his power and uses the Bible in our lives, then we will more and more be be living godly lives in a godless world. Let's do that this week, shall we? Let's pray. Just a brief silence in which we can make our own response to God. That was a very heavy chapter. Maybe there's one thing that struck you. Just talk to God for a few moments in the silence about that. Or if nothing occurs to you, just thank God for who Jesus is and for why Jesus came. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you said, I will build my church and it will never die. Father, we found this chapter a difficult reading and yet we thank you that it's true that you are watching, that you see our hearts Father, we want to pray that you would help us to be clear about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the eternal Son of God and thank you that you came to die on the cross for our sins. We worship you. And we thank you that you will judge in righteousness. And we thank you that all of us here who are trusting in Jesus We can face that judgment without fear because Jesus has taken the punishment for us. So we give you our praise and we give you our lives. Help us to live godly lives in this coming week with the help of your spirit and using your word we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.